Master Bowman podcast. If you're obsessed with the strategies, gear, and stories that will make you a better backcountry bow hunter, you're in the right place. We're independent, unsponsored, and unbiased, so we can cut the fluff and give you detailed advice on what really works and what doesn't. Today's episode is Josh and I's July check-in, but in reality, we're going to talk a lot about getting your car or your general rig ready for elk season as we've got a lot of crazy adventures that happened in the last week. Right. Oh, oh! How's that? How's that? One? All right, it's getting there. <laughs> kind of getting there. Yeah, your mics get weird. It's like sometimes it's on, sometimes it's not. But I'm going to give oh. you the benefit of the doubt and say those are good. Out, good cows. Uh, can you hear okay. those? Were those a little shorter. Mm. All right, got a lot of work to do, folks. A lot of work yep. to do. <laughs> Josh has been calling. July check-in. We uh. We've got a few things that I think we're going to spend the majority of today on talking about cars and getting everything ready for elk hunting is I had a pretty epic, should we call it an adventure? <laughs> yes, um, the post-it note adventure. We had a, a flat last fall elk season and just aside from that, there's a lot of crazy storage things you can do with trucks and cars and um, you know the way, way you carry gear, what you need in the car, what kind of cars are good for it, access, tires. We'll talk a lot about tires. Uh, things that people really don't think about for elk hunting but can make or break your trip. So uh, we're doing our check-in. We're talking about what we're both doing at the moment, but we're going to spend a lot of time on that today. So hopefully yeah. I'll have some guys out. And background on this one is this was not a topic we had thought about at all until Baxter had this crazy, <laughs> yeah, crazy story, which I actually haven't heard the full story. Like I've heard the highlights. So I'm actually yeah. really excited to uh, hear. I can already hear in your voice how painful it's going to be to relive. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, maybe we just jump right into it and then we can, we can do the other check-in stuff. Yeah. Um, so what happened a couple of weeks ago? <laughs> Yeah, so I was going scouting. <laughs> no, so I did go scouting. I went up to where where I've been hunting, put in a few cams because we're trying to get my uh, the lady to hunt really within a fourth of a mile of the the uh, parking lot because there's a few areas I think could make that work. And she just doesn't, you know, with the kid around, she can't really leave for too long. And you know, someone will be there, but she can't, you know, backpack in. So I went up there, whole different aside, but you know, my my happiness meter on scouting is still dropping. <laughs> I just don't see much utility to it. Um, I think if, if I was going to a unit, I was only hunting, like it was a limited entry tag or it was somewhere I'd never been before. And I wanted to skip the learning curve. It might be worth it to scout, but I don't know, man, it's just so pointless outside of season. The elk aren't where they're going to be at all. Yeah, we've been we've gone over this. I've done my whole diatribe, right? But yeah, um, yeah. And you're an expert e scouter, so yeah. And it's just like every time I go physical scouting, I'm just a little bummed. Um, I guess there's opportunity costs too. Like I'm, I'm so passionate about fly fishing and you know, other stuff that I'd so much rather be doing that than kind of walking around um, when I can't do anything about elk being around. So anyway, right. right. Um, but went over there, did that, and then of course was like, well, uh, there's hardly any elk here. They haven't moved in yet you know, got my cams up. Like, why am I here? I'm going over to this other area to go backpacking. Um, and I'm not going to try to give away names or places because near elk spot, but there are tons of high mountain lakes and, um, greater West Rockies area. Uh, and one of them has uh, some very big fish in it. I was pretty excited about it. Uh, went down there, went in for a backpack. It was like 3,500 feet of elevation. We're having a heat wave here, big old heat wave in the West right now. 
um, got about 2000 feet up and about five, six miles in. and was just like not having it really, really be just dizzy, tired, kind of what I was feeling last fall. I was like, Hey, this is not, uh, it's not good. Just pull the plug. It's too hot. It's like 90 something out here at almost 11,000, 10,000 feet. So, uh, let's get out of here. Um, and turned around, went home. So like a 10 or 12 mile walk, only got like two thirds of the way there, 2000 feet. I'm beat jump in the truck, um, start nuking back down the uh, dirt road, 35 miles from the nearest town and pow, pow. <laughs> well, not, not really pow, pow. I just looked down at my little TPMS sensors and the truck start ding, 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 ding. And I can see them dropping in both of my left tires, front and rear. And so I jump out quickly, hear the hiss on front and rear. I'm like, oh, son of a bleep. And uh, <laughs> jump in the truck and floor it because I'm pretty far off of the main isn't even really a main dirt road. I'm like in kind of back in elk country, right? It's also partially scouting an area we talked about going earlier, uh, mm-hmm. which I really like. We talked about that, but I really like it. Um, so I guess scouting does kind of work in some ways, huh? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I mean, it took me all three minutes to be like, I like it because I could see you know the access and the place. And I was like, looks as good as it does on me scouting. I'm out of here. Um, so anyway, jammed down as fast as I could to the main. It's calling it a main road is a bit of a euphemism, but just got down there to where there was more cars and both tires went totally flat. So, you're, you know, you're up a Creek cause I have one spare and there's nothing else to do. I don't have a patch kit. We'll talk about some of the other things to keep in your car after this. Um, yeah. So I got to just hang out and first two guys that passed took like three or four hours. I gave them a post-it note with my wife's phone number, a bunch of details and said, please call her. (laughs) Please tell her I need someone to come and get me. Um, that was a debacle in itself. Took her like six or eight hours of calling. Uh, you know, if you do have a car insurance or a plan, like they just kind of try to do the end around to find the cheapest person, especially in the situation. So she ended up having to find it herself and then give them to the person long story short we finally found one guy there's only one guy there that's willing to drive 35 miles into the back country and you know take you out on a tow truck uh, and that's down some very sketchy roads um so i got to spend a whole nother day and a half just chilling by car 90 degree temps uh which was really not that pleasant but it was kind of i mean it was kind of fun in a lot of different ways it had some cool personal milestones while i was out there and um you know, finished reading the bible a lot of other cool things so it was a really fun uh day and a half or how bad it could have been. But anyway, a lot of money, a lot of time um, wasted just because of a double flat. So really, really a bummer. But I think when I came out, I was actually pretty excited. because I was like, this is about as good of a timing as it can get. I don't have the wife or the baby. I don't, it's not elk season. It's not X, Y, Z. Um, I've definitely got a strong perspective on six ply versus 10 ply tires and a lot of these things now. So, and we'd had one for other context, we'd had another tire pop up there last fall coming out with the RV on a very sketchy road. Um, so my basic takeaway from this is if you're in certain areas of elk country, take your stock tires off the day you get your truck <laughs> and put others on um, or do a bunch of very specific things. We can talk about that in a minute. Um, but anyway, yeah, it was, it was an eye opener for sure. Cause you were out of luck when you're back there. Yeah. It sounds miserable. Wait. Uh, so the total was a day and a half of unplanned time in the back country. Unfortunately, I'm already somewhat of a boy scout and carry a sleeping bag, 
you know, I was backpacking, so I had all my backpacking stuff, but I already carry a sleeping bag and a, like a day's worth of food in my truck just in general. Because if you have a, you know, you're going chucker hunting even 45 minutes from town and your car dies, that's a life-threatening situation if you're too far to hike out, you know, in the winter. So I'm already just have that mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so fortunately, I had all the food and the water. I always carry at least, you know, five or six gallons of water in the truck at any given time too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had those things, which is really fortunate. Um, because otherwise it would have been bad. I mean, I probably could have bummed the ride out with those guys, but then I would have had to figure out how to get to the right town to get back in because the guy was on the town on the other side of the mountains. And, oh, and, uh, yeah. <laughs> so Wait. crazy, crazy stuff. But uh, yeah, that's that sucks. Did you end up sleeping in the truck again or camping out again? Or Yeah, I had a mattress in the back of the truck. So just slept in that. Again, fortunately, like I'm all set up for this stuff already. Um, mm-hmm. But I thought it was a good, you know, it's a good segue into a subject we haven't really talked about as much. Um, I mean, I guess we still call this a check-in, but we haven't really done a, a big deep dive on like cars and your rig getting into elk country. Because even if you fly, it's really important to do like have stuff with you and make sure there's certain things, excuse me, your car is ready to do. Um, and so we can just kind of run down that list. And it's cool because I have a truck, I'm probably like... A lot of guys at Elk Hunt, but you've taken a Subaru in. You're going to take a passenger four door in this year, so it's it's doable. And I don't, I'm not trying to say guys all have to have the certain gear, but if you don't have certain types of tires, you don't have certain types of car drives. There's things you really should have or think through. So we can kind of do the rundown there. What do you think, Josh? Yeah, it sounds good. The first year, yeah, last the first year I went scouting during elk season. Um, I took a Jeep Wrangler that I rented off of uh, Turo. And then last year I took a Subaru Outback that I rented off of Turo as well, which yeah. actually ended up scratching a little bit and had to pay a lot of money to get fixed, which sucked. But um, I, luckily, none the tires were okay. Yeah. Um, which seemed like now, especially after you going through that, that seems like the thing I'm most concerned about. Should we just yep. start with tires or? <laughs> yeah, let's start with it. And I think you also mentioned something good. Most guys probably haven't heard of Turo. Uh, again, we're not sponsored by anyone, although I do have a friend that works at Turo. Um, it's a great place that just lets people rent cars peer to peer. So for a lot of guys, you go rent your Hertz or your Avis car, and those are just stock, bone stock, two-wheel drive trucks even or other things. But Turo is kind of cool because you can get you know, someone's car. And generally, that's not going to be something that uh, Avis bought off of Ford's lot when it didn't sell, right? It's going to be an all-wheel drive or a four-wheel drive vehicle. So it's a really good option for guys renting cars, but we'll, just a, a worth a call out there because that's a good hack for guys flying in especially. Yeah, that's Turo, T-U-R-O. So it's kind of like Airbnb for cars for anyone who tried Airbnb before. Yeah, but um, yeah, but yeah, tires. How do you know? Like, how do I know? Should I, should I be worried, Baxter? <laughs> A little bit, yeah, definitely. <laughs> uh, yeah. So my car, my truck is an F one fifty. It came with stock tires. These are even the upgraded ones. These are the Michelins that came on the Pro Off Road package, but they're uh, they're standard six ply tires. So, a, you know, a C rating or a uh, SL rating or us, you know, which are very common ratings for even standard trucks now, unfortunately, are going to be four or six ply equivalent tires. Um, those tires just are not going to deal well with anything coming through the top of the tire. Um, I've been told this even before this weekend, but um, I thought, hey, it was just that one. You know, why why drop the twelve hundred dollars for a brand new set of off road tires? Um, but basically, those are those are all prone to punctures, right? very prone to punctures and they ride better on roads. They get better gas mileage. They don't make a bunch of noise when you're driving. There's a reason most people use them because 99% of their life is an off-road. 
Um, so I'm not saying everyone has to go out and change those. Um, but I think if you, you should know what you got, like really know what you got. And two things, if you've got tires like that, um, that I'm just not willing to do, which is why I changed it. One is you got to be very careful to look at where you're driving on that dirt road. Like if you see any rock bigger than about a golf ball, maybe a baseball, uh, I'd say golf ball safer, smaller cars, you got to avoid it. You have to like steer around it. So you need to be going at a slow speed, slow speed. Like most guys will try to do 40, 50 down really well graded dirt roads, um, 35 to 50. You got to be going 20 to 30 miles an hour, um, with tires like that. Just no question. Um, and so for me, I'm like on dirt roads all the time and you'll spend two, maybe three hours a week, at least on average driving dirt roads, six, six months out of the year for chucker hunting, for fly fishing, for other stuff. So not really an option, but if you're going with a rental car, you're going with another one. I've learned this the hard way. I've been told this a bunch of times and now have two very difficult lessons. Like you have to look for that stuff um, and avoid it. And you also just have to drive super slow and then you definitely need a spare. Um, and I think, you know, the guy that was telling me out was telling me too, that it's a really good idea to carry a, um, a patch kit, not really a patch kit, a um, plug kit, and then carry a 125 or 150 PSI compressor that operates off your car battery. Cause with that, you could always patch one tire. So you've got the equivalent of two and you could limp out, right. Mm-hmm. Uh, where you could plug one tire, I said, uh, and then, you know, reinflate it on your rim. You need a ratchet strap to reseat it if the bead came off. So those three things you can repair most tires. Um, and that could get you out. So I think if you're, if you're really serious about it and you're not just running a car and you, you know, don't, you don't have to invest in the $1,200 tires, but, just carry those three things with you. Cause again, it worked out. I only spent a day and a half, but in my mind, that's a disaster during elk season. Cause you just lost like a 30 year hunting time at least, you know? Right. Yeah. Would you, um, so would you recommend having the spare tires and a patch kit? Mm-hmm. Definitely. Cause I think that's really where you get hose. It's not, you know, one flat is not that big a deal and it's fairly common, right? You just swap out the spare and limp mm-hmm. out of there. But if you do get this situation where, you know, especially if you, I must've hit a rock or something, um, it will get front and rear cause you're, you're squared off with it, right? It's going to hit both and it's probably going to puncture both. If you don't have super burly tires, um, 10 ply tires, right. Uh, or 10 ply equivalent, I should say. They just have a much ply ratings are used to be, it's an old school thing of the ply is like the piece of fabric, right. And then a rubber fabric, rubber, I used to work for, or not work for, I was sponsored by a tire company for mountain bike racing. So I know a lot about tire construction, but that was an old construct to say how burly and tough the tire was. Mm -hmm. Um, So nowadays they just have equivalents. So it might not be 10 actual layers in the tire, but the strength of it is equivalent to 10 plies of fabric. Mm. Is Uh, it the strongest? Does the scale go up to 10? Like that's the highest you can go? It goes even more, but that's about the max you'd want in like any sort of passenger truck. Um, cause it can be a rough, you know, there, there's downsides to it. They're heavy. These tires are heavier. They make a little more noise. I was surprised how little noise they actually make on the freeway. Um, people tell me horror stories, but they're not bad at all. Um, they're heavier. They have more resistance, bad gas mileage. They cost a lot more. There's reasons people don't do them unless you need them. Ah, uh, got um, it. So, and do most stock tires come that, uh, are six, like most stock 
tires are six ply or is it even worse yeah six or four ply equivalent i mean very thin right they're just made to because that's softer it rides better on the pavement when you hit bumps it's lighter they're cheaper it's you know everything is better for most people um except folks that go off road right. so how can you tell it, yeah you have to just look it up yeah you know, go online and look it up but uh it also depends on where you're going for your elk spot right if it's not that far you know the road's not gnarly then and there's different areas, right? Certain areas of Colorado, definitely certain areas of Idaho are known for just having really shardy, sharp rock. And mm. you just got to know what you're doing. Um, so maybe look at that. But yeah, I mean, that's probably enough on tires. Just you'll either put a good set on your truck if you're going to spend good time or you don't, you know, you have the money and you don't want to take the risk or you just don't want to uh, deal with it or you, you're on that sort of stuff all the time. I got BF Goodrich um, KO2s. There's a lot of really good good tires falcon wild peak at3s there's a bunch of others i looked at but um those were you know the proven standard and they had the best price of so the ones i could find on short notice so yeah yeah anyway so patch kit i'm gonna get a patch kit yeah yeah plug kit yeah plug kit and a compressor you know it's a good thing to have i think if you're with you know you're gonna be with us it's not that big of a deal because we could go help you or get you know mm-hmm. get you out of there um but yeah if someone's solo you just got to be realistic of how far are you really going? What's your situation? Do you have support? Um, how could you communicate? Do you have your in-reach activated and you know you could text someone that would deal with it? You know, I don't activate mine during the summer. It's expensive. Um, so things to think about for sure. Um, but a good, a good lesson uh, in, in tires. But uh, maybe we talk about some of the, you know, that's me and I can talk a bit about how I prep my truck for elk season, regardless of what you're doing and then we can talk about some of the stuff you did because you slept in your subaru a bunch last yeah, fall <laughs> and did. then uh and then we can talk a little bit about how you've dealt with the passenger car thing so okay um yeah so gear what let's see what else like what did you put in your car that was specifically there just for like elk hunting and not for like backpacking necessarily but just sleeping in it and traveling mm, let me think uh one unique thing was i took like the, those window covering things I did, mm-hmm. uh, I think that helped with warm, but warmth, but it also helped with like privacy, I guess. Is, yeah. Um, because when I was driving, I thought, hey, maybe I might spend a night sleeping in a Walmart parking lot or something. Like, who knows? Like, mm-hmm. you know, on the way. Um, so what I did is, uh, you get this stuff called like it's kind of like an insulation wrap. I don't know what people use it for. Do you know what I'm talking about, Baxter? Yeah, that, that reflective. Or no, not no. Is Tyvek is that is no Tyvek's the stuff the ground sheets you use um, for like construction, right? Yeah, but you can also use it instead of like a, a ten foot. Oh, well, like a tarp. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I see tarp. Yeah, yeah. What? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. I don't won't remember it. Um, but you guys can just look it up. Like insulation for your know, housing insulation, you just cut the right shape, right? Yeah, exactly. So you, I took first. I took cardboard, um, and I cut it out in the shape of each window. Mm-hmm. And so I had like six panels or whatever it was. Um, and then I took that reflective like insulation layer thing. And it's not that thick. I mean, it's maybe like half a, oh, here it is. Reflectix series mm-hmm. foil insulation. Yep. yep. Yeah. You could buy it on Amazon. It's like 12 bucks. For, cheap. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Reflectix series foil insulation. So then I cut that out in the same shape as the cardboard and, and just tape those two together. And so that way, when I got in my car, I, when I'm ready to go to sleep or whatever, I just put those up with the silver side out. Um, so like all the windows are basically blacked out. And so no one can like see into the car. It made me feel a little safer. 
um, some privacy probably made me a little warmer. I don't, I don't really know, yeah, but, uh, um, kept the car cooler. Yeah. It's actually oh, really important. Guys don't know. Most guys don't know, but your bow, if your car gets 110, 120, you leave a backup bow or your bow in it, it'll melt the wax and the bowstring. And sometimes even the bowstring will just pow. Oh, um, wow. Bows can really not get super hot. So it's a good thing to you know, keep the car cool if you're leaving it in a parking lot or something. Yeah. So that I think is the only thing I did specifically. Um, I did get a big, huge, I think it's 20 liters or maybe yeah, I think 20 liters of a water container mm-hmm. thing. And yep. I just filled that with water. And that was so great all season. You just, whenever you're back at the car, you fill up water. Um, yep. It's even filled with water right now. Um, and I'm just in New York City. Like it doesn't matter. But yep. the I amount of times you could just leave on a trip and not worry about water because you have it in there is really nice too. Yeah. And the same thing. I have the two, uh, the uh, Aquatainer, Reliance Aquatainers, right? You got one of those, I think. Or did you get a different one? I forget. I'm not sure. I got it out of the REI garage sale. Yeah. Big yeah. I just thing. picked them up on Amazon. They're great. Um, mm-hmm. You know, two of those, they're each seven gallons or something like that. So it's like more than you could need. Yeah. But I leave, yeah. I leave that thing in my truck 24 seven full of water because I'm always right. somewhere where, you know, filling up another liter. You go fly fishing for four hours out here in 90 degree heat, you're going to want to fill up a water bottle a few times. Yeah. yeah. So on the topic of, I guess, like nutrition or like food, fuel, do you do anything else? Like do you carry emergency mm-hmm. food supplies or like? Yeah. And I think you know, fortunately for elk season, most guys will have a bunch of backpacking stuff, but I think it's always a really good note to like a year round. I leave a little container with some freeze dried food, basically like two days worth of food for two or three people. Oh, okay. Um, and my old backpacking stove and a little stove in there. Oh, uh, and a water purifier, my, my old um, Sawyer's that still yeah. works, but you know, I don't use it primarily uh, because then, you know, in the chlorine tabs, like just that general kit, some, we could survive for two days, no problem with a sleeping bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the sleeping bag is important, but again, guys are going to generally have all that stuff elk season. They'll have freeze dried food, they'll right. have sleeping bag, but I leave that in the truck year round under this back seat. It's like, it's just a safety thing. Um, one other thing I will say for guys, you know, as far as the kits in the car, make sure you bring like a section of a, a two by 10 or a two by eight board, like a little short section because your jack, your car jack often on these dirt roads oh. will not, there's not a flat spot, right? And it'll sink in or it'll like, you can't really jack your car up safety, which is the most important part to changing a tire, right? Yeah. Um, so that's one that I've learned over the years is really critical because I've, you know, I've had bad situations, chucker hunting too, you know, flats and getting stuck and that sort of thing. So I think that's a really, you know, just go find a scrap piece that you're at the bottom of your jack can fit on and shove that under the, or in with your kit behind the seat or whatever. Um, so that's a winner, um, as well. So, Oh, okay. So like just yeah. a small piece of two by four. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And I always, I mean, again, too, with the food, like if guys are going for elk season, don't plan out exactly seven days of food. Always bring a little extra. That goes for your trips too. I always bring an extra day. It's another pound and a half, but like it, you say you find an elk and you just got to stay on it. You don't want to have to pack out because of lack of food and also something goes wrong. Like you want to have food, right? So always take a little extra <laughs> in the back country. You know, like I think a lot of folks come from pretty urban areas and they just lose that kind of survival self-sufficiency instinct but mm-hmm. yeah it's, stuff goes bad quick um yeah so that's what i do in the car i've got some other I mean, you've seen my other little tweaks right um 
with bins. Like I'm a big believer in like just Home Depot HDX bins or just some sort of plastic bin. And I separate all my stuff in the bins. And that way it's super easy to throw it in and out of the trucks. It drives me bonkers digging around trying to find things. Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. So what's your system for keeping all that organized? I just keep everything in the bins and stack them. I mean, these are just, so I'll put like all the food and water purification stuff in one. I'll put all my clothing and camo in one, all my like backup archery gear in the other. And then I forget what else you even take, you know, have to look at my list, but I just kind of put general groups of things in these bins. And that way I'm like, always know where everything is. Uh, super easy. That's not so much off season, right? But that's elk season um, for traveling. Super great. Uh, little, little tip, right? Yeah. Um, and, and how did you sleep? You put your, your air pad in the Subaru with the seats flat, right? That's how you oh, yeah. sleep truck. Yeah. So, um, I'm, I'm tall. I'm like six, two, just under six, two. Um, so, but I fit in the Subaru Outback. So there's a couple of things. One is, um, yeah, I got the bins and then everything onto one side of the car. Like let's say the, the driver's side. And then I got the passenger seat, leaned it forward and then the back one seat leaned it down or no, both seats leaned them down. And then uh, the, when you lean the back seat down, where the headrest of the back seat is, there's a little bit of gap there between before it hits the back of the front passenger seat. Mm-hmm. If you can picture what I'm yeah, saying, where um, the, uh, the passengers. Oh, sorry, where the passengers' feet would be. Yes, like exactly. The where, yeah, yeah, if you're sitting in the pass- yeah that gap there. If you're sitting in the passenger seat, where your knees would be. So I put a I put my water can giant container thing there. And then I put the pillow over that. So that mm-hmm. gave me like a little bit of extra headroom. And yep. then, yeah, I had my sleep, just my normal camping sleeping pad right under that. And that it, you fit just like a coffin in the back, in the trunk. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm not a side sleeper. I don't really roll around too much. I just sleep in my back. It worked out yep. pretty good. Yep. Um, yeah. I remember that. <laughs> and yeah. it's warm enough in the car where you don't have to be in your sleeping bag. So it's not as hard to get it. You can just lay it over you and it's not too bad. Yeah, not not too bad at all, especially if you got a sealed car like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm a I'm a big proponent of like the six to eight inch memory foam Amazon mattress that costs like a hundred bucks. I have <laughs> yeah, just throw me in the in the bed of my truck and everyone's like, Oh, how does it fit? It's only five and a half feet long. It's like, well, remember how these things came rolled up in a tight roll? <laughs> like um I just literally put it in there and it hangs out. It's almost the end of the tailgate when the tailgate's down, and I just put the tailgate up and it bends the mattress and it's, it's totally fine. Yeah, um, but it's a great hack because I can. If you're one person, you can lay in their diagonal and sleep, no problem. Um, mm-hmm. Do what Josh is talking about: clear some stuff out, lay in their diagonal, and then you're totally protected. If you have a topper, which I have, if you you know if you have a tonneau cover or something that's level with the bed, that could work too. Um, and even if you just have an open bed, you've just got a mattress there, you can lay in it. I mean, it'd be one hell of a bold animal to come up to your your truck and look in your bed. Um, I've done that a lot before. I had a cover; I just slept in the bed. Yeah, I actually, I can attest to that because that's what I upgraded to when I when I got a car this year. I got an Acura, my mom's old Acura MDX, mm-hmm. had like one hundred ninety five thousand miles on it, old old car. But uh, yep. yeah, I got a the mattress topper that I slept on all through college. I that's what I slept on on the ground. It was nice. Memory foam, so it's super comfy. Yeah, I like it, and uh, yeah, it rolls up, so it doesn't actually take up that much space. Even if I'm driving around the country. Hopping in Airbnbs, like I got all my storage stuff, but that mattress topper still rose up in there. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I used it for six weeks in a row camping at Joshua Tree earlier this year. So comfortable! I was so shocked at how much better that it is than the pad in the in the in the back. 
Yep. I get some of literally the best nights of my sleep ever. Some of them have been on <laughs> that little six inch memory foam mattress in the back of my truck. Yeah, Cause it's cool. It's quiet. You're out there. You're not looking at your phone. You're, I mean, you're just, mm-hmm. yeah. So this is, I mean, it's part of, I think we talk a lot about our strategy of being ready to move really quickly and you're coming back to the car and sleeping there. But I think this, that kind of sleep situation where you really have good recuperative sleep, that that's such a, such a game changer for backpacking because you actually come back and recuperate one night's sleep then you're ready to go back out and hit it hard for two or three more nights yeah Um, really cool yeah i think as far as other things guys like that's a dude that's i i couldn't say enough good stuff about throwing a little mattress in your truck or your your whatever it is if you're coming out elk hunting because you know it's great guys will bring rvs just remember you've now got six tires maybe eight tires to worry about instead of four so be ready for that too um we almost had that situation last year but fortunately it was just another truck tire which i had uh so think about that for guys that are that are headed up but the other one is um jumping your car and electricity Hmm. you know if your battery is a little weak you know if if you're coming out west and you're going to take that long drive even if you're california or washington it's only an eight to twelve hour drive not a 30 hour drive uh, I think it's always a good idea to go take the car in for an inspection, not right before, because honestly, the most failures I've had in cars is like after an inspection, they do something wrong or they forget to reinstall something. So I always do it like two or three weeks before. So if something gets weird, I got time to fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, get that checked over. You get make sure everything's in good working order. Um, and then the other thing that kills guys I've seen a few times elk hunting is the batteries in cars. Because you're in, you know, Tennessee or wherever the heck you are, and it's always warm and humid, and your battery's got great operating conditions, and it's just been degrading for a few years, and everything's good. And then you get up to elk country in the fall, and it's 70 degrees during the day, great, but it goes down to 20, 25 at night, and that battery just gives up. Um, and you know, some people carry jumper cables. If you're doing elk hunting right, you're not really around other people. <laughs> so as we talked about, so. I, uh, what is the name of that thing? Um, I bring a lithium battery car jump. Um, oh, I know yeah. it's, it's where you have, you charge it at home, right? And then you keep yeah. it in the car and well, you can, can actually charge just... it off your, uh, your cigarette lighter in your car too. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yep. Nice. Um, NoCo, NoCo boost. Um, these are the ones that would turn me onto it is whenever I got my car jumped in San Francisco or even other places, all the guys just literally, they didn't, do the cables. They just brought these NoCo boost things, walked over to your car, jumped it. Here, give me 50 or 100 bucks. And it's like, what the hell? Um, they're not cheap. <laughs> they're like, a, you know, 100 to $200, depending on how big you need to get to turn over your car engine. Mm-hmm. Um, but they are money. They work so well. You just literally go up there, plug it in, and press a button. And it's also just a giant lithium power bank. So it's great for phones and other things. Um, I will say, make sure if you're on the borderline of what they say it can jump as far as engine sizes, definitely get the one bigger. And you don't really want to jump it when it's like 50% batteries. Try to keep that thing topped off. Um, but that's oh, always, always in my car because a lot of places I'm at, if I have a dead battery, I'm in a lot of trouble. Yeah, I just pulled it up on Amazon. I'm, I'm going to order one of these. Yeah. Um, wow, they're not cheap. Yeah, like 130 to like yep. 180 for the next one up. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah. you know, I'll probably have that thing forever, though. Yeah, you can. You know, if you treat it well, you charge. I guess every three to six months to make sure to charge it up, which is as easy as, like I said, just plugging it into the cigarette lighter when you're driving for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, they last, you know, 
10, 15 years at least. So yeah, it's a good investment, you know, just because hell, it'll save you a lot of time and money when you, uh, you eventually lose that battery power and need a jump anyway. So mm-hmm. and that's that. Um, that's kind of all the stuff I keep in the truck standard and good things for guys to think about. Again, like all this advice we give out, you don't need all this stuff. You might need all this stuff. It's might be the right way to say it, but just really think through when you find your spot, you know where you're going, you know the length of um, the roads you're going down, the cell phones, reception in the area, are you going to have an in-reach? Then you should really think about what pieces of this stuff you need. Um, I just like to carry it all because time is money and elk hunting. It's uh, the last thing on earth I want to do is waste a day uh, or two of elk hunting, uh, which is a real bummer. But I mean, other than that, the only other stuff I carry is things to get the car unstuck. Um, I've had good look. I'm not going to give out names and things I recommend because there's nothing I've been like, this is the one. But I've had good luck with strips that help you get out of you know, sticky situations. Um, come alongs, of course, like a, a fabric you know, rope that you can put around something and move the car out if you have a winch on the car. Um, but I'll typically bring a come along and a, uh, a shovel. And then some sort of strip to let give my tires traction, especially mm-hmm. on chucker hunting, because that's when it gets nasty. Mm. Um, so just stuff to think about, you know. But generally speaking, I think most elk hunting spots are on roads that are somewhat decent. Uh, yeah, roads. like you could get your four pot your uh, car in there. Yeah, real wheel drive car. So we are building a, quite a shopping list for people. Anything yeah. else we should not forget to to buy <laughs> yeah right <laughs> or think about um i would say generally like a toolkit or a leatherman or something mm-hmm. you know with i bring a leatherman with a lot of bits in the truck um, you can get like cheap toolkits on amazon for like 70 bucks in a plastic container and it's all the tools you'd ever need like 300 piece thing um just stuffed under the back seat i mean again we're i'm scaring some people but these are all things that like you didn't necessarily need in civilization because you can call someone on your cell phone and deal with it but uh, yeah it just it comes down to your familiarity with the backcountry and uh you know, how much time you're willing to risk mm-hmm. it's all about you know risk you can buy all this stuff for 500 bucks and not risk anything well you know there's always something that could go crazy four flats who knows but uh you don't have very little risk or you could just say hey i'm just gonna get you know this one thing with the plug kit and the compressor and i'm fine with everything else so yeah yeah but all like these are things I think most people. This is not sexy stuff. This isn't what you're going to get on most elk podcasts. But it's the real, <laughs> the reality of it. Um, and you're you're really doing something that's a little more intense. Uh, yeah, so be prepped. And it's interesting because uh, if you think about like if something happens, like you know, a tire gets messed up and blah 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 or whatever. Like you said, it was a day. It took a day and a half to get it all sorted out and figured out. Get mm-hmm. you back on your feet. If you have like let's say 10 days of elk hunting and you lose a day and you spend whatever X thousands of dollars in gear and in prep, like whatever leading up to the season in travel. And one of those days you're out, you you just lost a hundred bucks in gear. And then all the time that you put in uh, uh, ahead of time. So like you could break down how much time you spent ahead of time, how much, how many dollars you spent ahead of time. And like, make an equation or whatever per hour you're actually elk hunting is worth this much time yeah. beforehand this many dollars beforehand yeah. if you lose all that just because you didn't spend the 150 bucks on a no co boost whatever yep. that sucks <laughs> you know it's just it not does. worth it it does <laughs> and uh i mean the nice thing about this gear is it stuff 
that will save you tons of time and effort in your everyday life too. You don't have to call the tow guy. You don't have to, you know what I mean? Like, it's mm-hmm. not like it's just for this, which some elk gear is that way. It's just for elk hunting and it's hard to, to justify it. But I mean, even, I think even someone who's absolutely scrimping $800 tag for a non-resident, you know, 500 bucks of gas, all your gear and your food, like the bare minimum you're probably going to get away with for elk hunting is about two grand. Mm-hmm. And if you only get really five days of, elk hunting that's like 400 dollars a day it's mm-hmm. not great to think that way in life sometimes but like if you burn a day and a half that's you know 600 bucks so that's more than all the stuff combined so right right and anyway. then all the stuff you keep for years and years and years anyway so yeah so it's all yeah. there but you know there's always justifications to spend more money but it's all <laughs> it's all good stuff to think through but i think you know hopefully that gives guys an idea of like the gear of what they're looking for and um also just cool ways to sleep and like really live in your car when you're out there in the back country, because that makes such a difference in elk hunting, you know, such a nice thing. Yeah. Um, is there anything else, other pro tips for, for, uh, that you learn when you're spending like a month in the car? I mean, I've spent literally 200 nights sleeping in my truck at least. Uh, um, do you have any tips for how to make your car not smell after you spent sleep that much in it? Because <laughs> like, like yeah. my brother and my mom came to visit and I drove them around and then like <laughs> one day they just took my car, like got it all vacuumed, washed, and they left a can of Febreze in there. And I was like, ah, yeah. much better. This thing uh, <laughs> well, I mean, I sleep in the bed of a truck, so I never really have that problem, oh, yeah, unfortunately, because right. I'm like in the car, you know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You're like in the car proper. Oh. Uh, who knows? <laughs> yeah. That's a funny, uh, that's a funny question I've never had to deal with before, actually. <laughs> Febreze, folks. Febreze. I yeah. guess that's the band-aid. And then just crack your window open a little bit when you sleep. That's the other one. But yeah, yeah, that's a good way to do it. <laughs> do it in general too. But yeah, no, and also watch, like I said, just watch getting too hot with your bow and your gear in there. It's uh mm-hmm. it's really bad for it. Yeah. Uh, I've heard some horror stories about even if your bow doesn't, you know, the string doesn't separate or the wax doesn't come out, I've heard about bows going way out of tune because they get too hot. Mm really quick so because yeah, everything expands in the heat right oh yeah but it, bow strings especially because there's uh you know, every every fiber is waxed mm-hmm. and they this so they basically got a little bit of wax between each fiber right and so if that wax completely liquefies and allows those fibers to touch each other you know that might be a three thousandth of an inch but if you multiply that by five thousand points it touches through the whole string all of a sudden it goes out of whack an eighth of an inch or a fourth of an inch. That's a big deal on a bow. Mm. That's a huge deal on a bow. Um, so yeah, just a good Josh's tip on the insulation is a good one. Uh, generally speaking at elk country at 70 degrees, even if your car's sitting in the, the, uh, parking lot, one, a great hack is to use your backup. I actually have two sleeping bags. I have the one I leave in my truck all the time. And then the one I backpack with, um, and I chuck the other one over the top of everything, the bow in the back seat or the the camper. And even with the direct sun on it, you know, it never, it gets so cold at night that that thing never heats up too much. So you can use your sleeping bag or a blanket for like insulation during the day. Mm-hmm. Um, everyone, in mentally you think, sleeping bag, you think warm, right? But as we've talked about before, all insulation does is retain the heat you're generating and it just stops it it stops exchange of heat between two things so if you have cold on one side of it and normally you've got the heat on the inside and the cold on the outside but it actually works the other way too if it's cold inside heat outside so putting mm-hmm. a sleeping bag over something it's a great hack too when you have a cooler full of elk 
Um, I put my dry ice in it or whatever I'm driving. If when I was driving home long distances and I'd wrap my sleeping bag around the cooler mm. and that's, that'll give you, and you think, you know, all these cooler companies advertise crazy ice doing that will double your ice volume. Easy, easy, easy. Cause you're adding more insulation than the wall of that cooler with your sleeping bag. Oh, right? that's crazy. Easily double or triple your ice life by doing that. Wow. Uh, so it's a, uh, you know, it's a good thing to do as well. So um, just good little tips for car transport I've learned over the years. Oh, that's so smart. Oh, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, this week <laughs> I've been staying at my dad's apartment in New York and uh, it only has a portable AC in the kitchen. Then there's a hallway to the bedroom. So I'm trying to keep this area cold. So I actually hung my sleeping bag on the door frame of the hallway to close huh? off the hallway and the bedroom and try to keep this area a little cooler. <laughs> and it's actually worked oh, definitely yeah. better I'm than sure. just leaving it open. So that's, that's sure, hilarious. I'm sure. That's hilarious. <laughs> Freaking awesome. Oh, that's funny. Yeah. I never yeah. tried it on the cooler though. I always thought for some reason it would like warm the whole cooler, but that makes so much sense. The walls of the cooler is just insulation. Now you're just adding more insulation. So yeah. Totally. And I, uh, I mean, I think the last thing I'd say is always top off all fluids before you go into the back country too. Cause there's been nights like before I had all this stuff in gear, I was in the Sierras and got in a bad situation where I couldn't find somewhere to sleep. There was literally no hotels within three hours. So I had to sleep outside. Um, and I almost froze to death in the truck. Um, I was literally wearing trash bags and just crazy stuff. And, you know, basically I just had to run the car almost all night long. Whoa. And so you have situations like that where like your car is your survival and yeah, you might be fine with a fourth of a tank to get back, but you really need to use that for something, charging up a battery for someone or you're keeping yourself warm. I know this stuff sounds crazy. I've just spent enough time in life in the backcountry backpacking and fly fishing and elk cutting that the, the edge case happens. It always happens. Um, you roll the dice enough to come up snake eyes. So uh, that's a good one. Too. It's just make sure I always right before I go into the backcountry, the last gas station, just all the way full, everything totally set because you know you never know, you never know. Yeah, I'm gonna guess Max for that you've never run out of gas before, huh? While driving, I have never run. Well, I've been very close, <laughs> very close. <laughs> because I'm in. the kind of guy who's like, I'll make uh, it to the next one, and then it's just like, no, yeah. no, I ran out of gas in a Prius like twice. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> that's uh that's ironic dad it's pretty bad, it's pretty bad. <laughs> yeah um, i've definitely had some you're driven on zero for a while before but no, <laughs> never fully hit it you know yeah. um, the worst is like when you're driving to get to elk country you know it's like you got oh. 80 miles between gas stations some of these desert right. places like, Ooh. <laughs> yeah no yeah. trucks are crazy these days 36 gallon tanks and 20 miles per gallon i mean that's like 800 miles yeah. i could drive to my elk spot and then come partially back when i lived in california it was nuts that's crazy yeah so anyway um yeah i think that's pretty much it cars i'm just we kind of freeform this one so i'm trying to remember if there's anything else i do that's kind of a nice little trick but maybe we finish off our check-in and i talk scouting and how i'm still not excited about it <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> sure. getting the truck prepped and i've been shooting a bit and doing some fitness stuff and you've been calling you obviously started off the episode the right way just a little bit, just been calling a little bit, but, um, I need to, I need to do, I think I need to just, when I have my long drives, just really do a lot of calling in there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Oh, I've been doing a little bit here and there. I mean, it sits on my desk, so yeah, I'll keep practicing. Yeah. I'll keep practicing. Um, 
I find last week I kind of took a bit of a week off of running, just got to New York City and had a little too much fun. But uh, went on a run today, signing up for the gym tomorrow. I got that four day free pass thing, so I can at least go check it out. And I actually got a, they texted me like a coupon for a month membership for like 65 (laughs) Perfect. So there we go. Yeah. So I'll sign up tomorrow. That'll be good. Month of strength training and then hit, hit August a little stronger, a little good, better on cardio and then train that month to, to finish up for the season nice yeah and spot yeah. that's uh they'll call them a car is a really good one because it's one of the few places in life that it blocks sound <laughs> right exactly <laughs> yeah can't yeah. do it in the office can't do it at home the baby gets upset like maybe you can't if you have a big enough house right but your garage maybe but like the, the car is perfect because you you can you know just pop it in your mouth while you're driving somewhere and rip a few mm-hmm. um have a good time so yeah that's a great hack i used to do that all the time just leave them in the truck did we talk about how uh someone in la was telling me how like or maybe he saw a video of some guy like in la traffic roll down his windows get a bugle tube and just (laughs) (laughs) rip a huge nice i would just love to see if one day like someone would just respond back with another you know Well, I definitely got some. I remember the first year elk hunted, I was, you know, on the crash course and I did it all in like three weeks or four weeks or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I was, so I was driving out to Colorado and I was just going for it, <laughs> calling in the car. And I was going so loud that even people with their windows open next to me, it's lights were like looking at the car, like, what the hell was that? Uh, cause I was using the tube too. Cause I never used the tube. Oh yeah. Oh man. Good times. That's awesome. Uh, great. Memories. That's dedication but, right there. Well, I was like, you got to learn now. You got 15 <laughs> hours to learn. <laughs> that is not how I recommend doing elk hunting. And that's, yeah. why, that's why I can give good advice. I've done it all wrong. Yeah. Yeah, um, yeah man. But uh, no, I think that's, that's kind of it. It's like we're getting... The funny thing about these, I feel like they were very... There was a ton we were doing and we're getting really dialed in bows and arrows and gear. And, and the, the last two of these are going to be awesomely anticlimactic because everything's set and we're not spending three times as much as we need to on that thing on eBay, we couldn't find anywhere in stock or running around with their heads cut off. Like you just kind of mosey into elk season feeling really good. So, yeah, I do need to get my, get my arrows cut and I might, I don't know if I'll be able to find a spot in New York city, get them cut, but yeah. Or I might have to just wait till August and then just shoot a bunch in August. But well, that is one thing. It's pretty safe to say if you show up in my garage August 1st, we're going to figure it out by <laughs> September 1st. I wouldn't recommend that to most folks, but there's literally a bow shop down there. So we're going to... That's true. That's true. We can't do it in an hour. We've got <laughs> massive problems. Yeah. And I did yeah. do a shoot a bunch of shooting before going to Hawaii in April. So it's not like I haven't shot at all. Yeah. But uh, yeah. 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 It's yeah. reality of... It's reality of it. And I think you. the cool thing is I know you're... You, if you're like, well, I'm not good out past... 10 yards shorter than i've used to shoot then you're not going to take it so it's yeah you know you'll you'll be able to figure that out so yeah it's all good stuff but no i think I mean, we've talked about all this stuff i'm not going to hit it all like we've kind of gone through everything guys need to do to get ready and take a look and i think now's still a good time for that little check out your partner or check out your area backpacking trip right mm-hmm. a little shake out the cobwebs one that was really good last weekend to have to pack a completely load the pack again it's amazing how every time you do that it completely no matter how prepped and how many times you've done it it's like oh this that oh yeah this little thing oh i want to dial those straps in and cut those off so they're not flapping and that's not you know there's all Mm -hmm. these little tiny things that they you know bow hunting game of inches they really make a difference so 
Yeah. And your body, it's like, oh, whoa, we're we're doing this again. Yeah. We're we're hiking up this with this on again. Yeah. (laughs) No, and it's the metric. It's like really a good litmus test because when you go out there and you know, most times you backpack, your hip flexors are killing you, your other stuff. And I felt so good. I did that long hike and yeah, I was bone tired, but it was just purely cardio tired. Mm-hmm. It's like everything felt strong. And I, you know, I obviously wasn't feeling great because the heat and the hydration situation, but everything else, I was like, no, like you know, I felt better than I've ever felt on my first backpack of the year. So wow, um, nice. really cool to be like, yeah, the pit- fitness is paying off. So that home gym life. Oh, home gym life. That's nice. We're two yeah, months yeah. away. Two months. Eight weeks. Um, <laughs> so crazy. crazy. Uh, that, you know, before we shut this one down too, I want to say thanks to a lot of guys who've been reaching out lately, which is really cool. Um, and, you know, I might get back to you in 10 minutes on one. I might take a week or two to get back to you on another email because I'm just kind of, life's been busy and crazy here, but I uh, appreciate it. And it's been really cool to talk to folks. So we could do the age old read off names, but there's like literally five or six guys in the past week or two. So you know who you are. Thank you guys. Keep yeah. reaching out. We appreciate it. Yeah. It's been awesome. But yeah, I think that's it. Any other updates, Josh? Um, no, that's all. Yeah. Oh, we forgot a big update. What, what, which one? big update. You are now the proud owner of a firearm. Oh, this is insane. This, oh my gosh, this is crazy. Do you want to tell the story? Yeah. Yeah. This is a good story. Um, so I went to the RMEF banquet uh in june or whatever it was what's that early june i think and uh when i was there uh they give you like 100 tickets to put in different the things you want to get in the raffle and yada 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 and i threw a bunch of all these guns i was looking at and then uh then i saw this you know nice beautiful looking 6.5 prc and i was like oh that'd be a perfect rifle for josh because josh doesn't have one so it's like i'll just throw three of these hundred tickets in and like if it works out it meant to be you know and uh Trucked him in there, and then I had to leave early to go pick up my sister at the airport. She's coming in for the weekend. Long story short, I had to ask this guy to, here, you can just have my tickets. He's like, no, give me your phone number. I'll call you if you win something. And get my sister walk into the house. My phone rings, and he's like, hey, yeah, you want a rifle. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't even know which one it was either. Um, and so I ended up having to go over to Sportsman's Warehouse and showed up, and it was the one that I was like, oh, let's be good for Josh. So Josh won a firearm in a raffle pretty back, well baxter won a firearm or rifle and baxter is just the nicest person best mentor anyone could ever ask for yeah well, so yeah. it was three tickets well, the, it was just three tickets josh well the way 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 it happened too is i just get a call from baxter and baxter never calls me he's just he, he normally yeah. we text and it's just out of the blue and i just pick it up like, hey baxter like, everything all right. what's going on yeah and he's <laughs> i think you were just like you want a rifle <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and i was like uh what, what? And you're like, yeah, I threw three tickets into, you know, you told the whole story yeah. and, you, and you were just like, I was like, no, no, I got to buy it off you. And he was like, you, 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 you just said, no, I, when I put those three tickets in, I was like, if that wins, it's Josh. I was it's just yeah, it was like, away. it was meant to be. So it was pretty, pretty stinking sweet. So, uh, we, I know we both, this is an archery focused you know, thing most of the time, but like, we both love, love the hunt. And main reason I don't do much gun hunting is I just don't have enough time to do archery and gun. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, what's cool about that is that's like a perfect elk and deer rifle. Um, yeah, that's a that'll be a great gun. So we're we're all fired up to take that out when you get here in August. My goodness, um, I local. still owe you owe you something for that one. But uh, uh, local and, coyote and, populations <laughs> in danger. <laughs> <laughs> they are. We're gonna have some fun. But yeah. uh, man, if people didn't if people didn't think I was lucky enough yet, my goodness. 
Yeah. yeah. Oh gosh, well, you know, they're going to hate me now. Everybody's got to have a firearm. That's a, <laughs> it's funny. I it's, it's one of those things. Like, I don't know if I would have gone out and bought a six, five PRC. Cause it's such a like niche cartridge, but it's like literally the perfect, it's like a 270 Winchester ballistically. It's just a perfect all around round, you know, six, five Creedmoor is really good, but uh, it's just a little more juice that I don't think anyone's going to question that for a elk rifle. It's a ballistic equivalent of like a six, five, 284 Norma and stuff. So that people have been killing elk with those for years. So man, it's that really, gun. really a great gun. And it's beautiful too. I was telling you, I'll be cuddling with that thing for a few nights when I first get it. Uh-huh. I'm so happy. Well, yeah, it is pretty. It's all Cerakoted and it's got a camo, <laughs> camo. stock. It's perfect for you. You don't have to do any maintenance. You just kind of <laughs> put it away wet. It's going to be fine. Man. Yeah. Should yeah. Be good. So that's uh that's a cool update, but we're making guys, people you know, jealous. <laughs> I think I got anal on the archery stuff, some of the caliber research and stuff I was doing on guns for a long time. Um could talk. Ooh, we'll have to do a gun uh, breakdown at yeah. uh, at some point. Totally. Yeah. A good elk rifle. I have ashamed to say I've never shot an elk with a rifle because I've only ever shot those. I know, crazy. Oh, that's right? pretty cool though. Straight into it and shot. So I've shot plenty of elk, well, not plenty, but like four elk with a the bow now, but uh, would really like to get a rifle tag at some point. It'd be fun. Yeah. Yeah. I can see it sometime in our future. Yep. Yeah. We'll have to, there's ways to get two tags in certain states. Just saying, <laughs> <laughs> you know, just throwing that out there. And there's certain states that uh, we've talked about this before, but uh, if you don't get them an archer, you're allowed to come back with the rifle. So. Even if you are a diehard archer, there's a good reason to own a firearm. Yeah, that I, mean, I think we remember talking about this going into last season and about which states to pick and stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. that'd be cool, especially for a newbie. You know, you don't get one with the with the bow. You come back with the rifle next week. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, totally. It's uh, I mean, it's a great feeling for guys too. I mean, the the bummer is you got to. I mean, I guess with rifle season, you could do weekends. You'd probably have a good chance of success. Uh, mm-hmm if you do it right, but, uh, yeah, you can't only spread your time so thin, but yeah, it'd be cool to come back. So yeah, anyway, totally. yeah, that's all the happenings for, for June. We're, uh, we're ready, right, Josh? <laughs> <laughs> just a couple more things for me to figure out. And I, I think I'll just, yeah. Fitness for me, um, get the arrows cut, cut, shoot a bunch and then calling. Those are like my next priorities. Yeah, for the next couple months, and we'll yeah, be, we'll be good. Some e scouting uh, for sure, but yeah. yeah, why not? Always add a few more spots, right? Never hurts. Yeah, yeah. Um, I just do it for fun, <laughs> kicks and giggles. <laughs> uh, but you know, another one we should talk about next time. We'll we'll have to remember this for guys, but we'll talk about the last minute because you're gonna cut arrows, and they are the same arrows, same spine, everything. But even mm-hmm. with that, like, you know, this tune will be slightly different. Mm-hmm. Um, so we talked. We had the whole episode on tuning bows and getting that set up. But we'll talk about there's a difference between tuning a a bow to uh, uh, field point perfection and then mm-hmm. broadhead tuning. So we can talk a little bit about the what we're both going to do the last two or three weeks of the broadhead tuning. Oh, that'll be perfect for August check-in because I will have just gone to Idaho and we can we'll be working on that for me. <laughs> yep, exactly. So. so that's kind of the last. That's always like the last thing in elk season in my mind. I've got everything usually set by August, but I'm always last minute kind of not last minute, but just tune it up the, the little, yeah. go from 
90 to 99.9 percent <laughs> you can yeah, never I'll be, be perfect <laughs> i'll be i'll be knocking on your garage or back so yeah. can you help hey, me with some stuff hey, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah should be uh, good so awesome fun. guys we appreciate your support as always what, what do we gotta ask the people for josh rating today um let's uh, someone uh go to spotify or itunes wherever you're listening to this and leave us a five-star review we, we would really appreciate it i think it helps somehow get the word out more <laughs> or yeah, share it, it with does. a friend you know if you know if you have a hunting buddy who's new wants to get into it share it with a friend mm-hmm. yeah we totally we, we would uh really appreciate the support as we continue to grow this and help reach more new hunters and pr- continue to keep the hunting tradition alive yeah. I've had a bunch of guys reach out and they're like, I can't believe you say a lot of this stuff or give away all these secrets. And I'm like, yeah, actually sometimes I can't either, <laughs> <laughs> you know? So like, there's some, there's some stuff in the, the backlog if guys are looking for good tips, <laughs> yeah. giving away too much maybe, but uh, yeah, we love doing it. So awesome. Thanks guys. And we'll, uh, we'll catch you on the next one.